You could say Mutueka writer Donna McLeod's new play has been a long time in the making, because it has been, over 180 years, in fact. The play is called Tents, and it focuses on the historical significance of the Nelson Tenths, New Zealand's longest-running land claim. It concerns the agreement made in 1839 between Māori landowners around the Nelson region and the New Zealand Company to purchase 151,000 acres on condition 10% was set aside for Māori. The actual amount set aside was much less and the issue is still being fought through the courts all the way to the Supreme Court, in fact. It is a common law case. For Donna, it is personal and she'll explain why. Donna. Welcome to Nine to Noon. Oh, Namahi. Lovely to be here. Thank you. So the play is called Tense, and it's based on the Nelson Tense case. I see what you're doing there. Um, can, we, can we outline <laughs> I didn't realise it would be so hard to say it, though, when oh, I wrote it. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. We had an interview not long ago, actually, with Karinza Johnston, Chief Executive of Whakatū Incorporation and one of the leaders um, uh, in this uh, movement. So listeners may know, some listeners may know a little bit about the case, some may not. Can you just take us back... I guess let's start with recent events and this groundbreaking finding of the Supreme Court that the the Crown does owe legal obligations to the Fano and, and Hapu of the Nelson region. This is now going into further court negotiations now, but it, it, it is a quite remarkable step in a very long road, isn't it? Absolutely. And when you remember we were petitioning courts all the way through this process when we realised way back in... That, that it wasn't kept, that the promises or the agreements weren't being kept. So the 2017 Supreme Court, which is New Zealand's highest court, when it ruled in our favour, it was kind of that hope, in particular for our uncles and our older people, that this was finally coming to an end, that we could sit around a table and we could resolve this in a really amicable way, because for us it just seems so simple, so simple. And um, and here we are, you know, 2023, having to now go back to make some sort of movement happen and actually have to go to the Attorney General instead. So um, a lot of money gets put into these court cases. Uh, I'm really disappointed that in 2017, the cost of not only finances, but the emotional, um, we lose, you know, some of our people have died since 2017, that may have been there. So, you know, you wonder why, why? Do we need to wait again another six years? And tense is very much about saying enough, just enough. We need to come to some, we need to resolve this. It's enough. Um, It should not go on. Um, I am a grandmother. My granddaughter is not to carry this. So let's resolve this. Let's get over this, let's return land, let's have compensation and let us go forward with this wonderful economic base that was deprived, you know, that was taken from us, which meant that a lot of our people who had come down with the hekinga from Kafia, then had to 
return because there wasn't enough land to, you know, for our gardens, our water sources. All those stories were taken. So we had to go back to where we had come from to survive as families. What we're talking about here again, just sticking um, and, and forgive me, but sticking to the to the basics of the case to, to just help set the scene for people. Instead of setting aside fifteen thousand acres, there was less than three thousand acres reserved, and I think also the location of that land was not as agreed. Um, and- well, some of that land, sorry, some of that land is in less perpetuity. Um, some of that land we can't have access to because it's on dock land or things like that. So, you know, how much do we really get back with that 3000 mm. when we can't access so much of it? It is, again, interesting, and forgive me, it's it's a, a, an unemotional word, but it is, again, interesting mm. from a legal perspective that this is a breach of contract case, this is a civil case, a common law case. But what I'm hearing in your voice and what this this, this play is about is the human consequence of this prolonged injustice from, from your perspective. And can you tell me more about why you wanted to write a play about the case and the issues it raises? For many years, we'd written about Parihaka, and it, were, it was, you know, um, 40 years after um the tents as such, you know, we had the invasion of Parihaka. And it was a really hard story to tell, but an important story about the history of us. And I often use this phrase, you know, my history, your history, our history. So when the tents came up, and I live in Motueka on Papakainga, um, when the tents came up, it was very much about, you know, who knows about the tents? So few of us know about the tents. And it's kind of like, oh, this, you know, another Māori thing. Well, actually, we've consistently been fighting this for 180 years. So it's not new to us. And I'm really hoping that people will actually find their own stories and actually be brave enough to sort of ask questions like, okay, I live in Nelson and this is my address. Gosh, I wonder what was here before me. Because you have to realise that many, like the whole of High Street in Motueka, um, Goodman's Drive, all down there, is the tents. And coming towards the airport was part of the tents. So we have all these private people living in houses. We've had farms. All the, these families who have lived there for four or five generations who have benefited from these lands being confiscated from us as such. So, you know, be brave. Look at your address. Look at your history. Look at your school. Look at your church. You know, look at your playground. Or in Motueka's case, look at KFC. Look at the warehouse. You know, whose land was that originally on and how did it get taken away? And that's really the challenge for, for me in this story. I'm going to tell my story, but we all have a story. So what is your story? So how have you gone about it as a playwright? It's told through many voices. And, of course, we can't really know the the conclusion yet. There hasn't been a resolution yet. How have you approached it as storytelling? Storytelling, I mean, I was lucky enough. I was in Te Ofakari in the 80s with Rana Moana Taylor as a director and Darcy Nicholas and just amazing 
people who put us in a room and said, you know, right. And so Brian Smith Grace was in that group. Uppy Taylor was in that group. Etiwata Ete ended up in the group. And we just had this wonderful freedom to create and to believe in what we're writing. Um, I love this because I love writing poetry. I love writing and I love performing. So for me, this is storytelling. It's basic storytelling. And the best stories you can do is actually talk about your experience. And for me in particular, with so many stories, all of our whānau have different stories. So, you know, this is my story and I can stand by this story. And then the hardest thing has been explaining the tense to an audience in a way that they actually sit back with a visual impact and go, oh, my gosh. And you're quite right. It doesn't have an ending yet. So we're in this um, yeah, interesting space of 10 weeks of being in court and there won't be a conclusion until when. And I have 10 stories within this tense play. And um, it was the easiest way to do it, was to have a little bit of history in there, a little bit about us coming down here in the Hekinga, a little bit about the Wakefields. And I mean, you know, when they first came here, they had established principles, and those principles were pretty cool. They acknowledged that the land belonged to Māori and that it would only be purchased from Māori. You know, they acknowledged that the lands used by Māori, the habitation, the cultivations, you know, all the traditional uses and burials, you know, that they would be reserved forever. You know, so there were some really good things that happened. And I know that I've spoken with Karenza, and we do this thing, now, what was it like when we saw them coming towards us and we're standing there? And I think there was a lot of hope. There was a lot of hope that we would share ideas and we could learn from each other and go forward. And I guess it's that hope that I have at the conclusion. And hopefully, you know, we talk about bringing the tents back together again. And I think that's very much what it is. Let's bring it back together. Let's tell our stories. And let's examine our New Zealand history because it can only make us stronger as a country going forward. So I think it's an exciting, yeah, hard to write, really hard to write, um, but then easy to write. The bits about my family just came out. Um, I was a carrier of my grandmother's kite, so all through this, I was born in 64, so I travelled with her for many years to Hui regarding um, Taranaki lands, regarding lands. Everything was about land because, you know, this was a group that were born in the 1890s and they needed to teach young people the stories and they needed to teach young people the, the hurt but they needed to teach us also the karakia and how to hold that hurt. But now, as one of those young people, I'm saying it's time to let it go. It's time to us to unpack that kite, to let it go, and allow our children um, to fill their own kite with wonderful things. And our grandchildren, and I talk about um, 
I want my grandchildren to live in a community like Motuega and be free and not carry this this marmai, this hurt that I carry, but just be really good kaitiakis of the whenua how and just that, love how it. How can that happen, Donna? Um, it's very potent what you're saying because carrying one's whakapapa, carrying one's history, carrying one's maimai, on the one hand might be seen as almost fundamental culturally, but you're saying time to unburden the pain in the generations going forward. Could, could you elaborate? I was at Parihaka during the government apology, during the Crown apology, and, you know, yes, money was involved, but I felt a release from my whole body when they said sorry. We acknowledge we did something wrong. We are sorry. And that that just washed over me. A simple apology just washed over me, and it felt as if something had been removed. And now when I go back to Parihaka or I'm on Facebook looking at Parihaka, all these wonderful things are happening. You know, we're going forward. So we have this generation now who won't be carrying that. They'll know the story, but they're going, hey, look, we're building a new whanau or we're having wānanga here or we're learning about this. Isn't it wonderful to let that pain go but not forget the story and to go forward? And dream, you know, in Walker 2, we have 500,000-year plans of the future. And dream, it's dream time. You know, when this is resolved, we've been dreaming for a long time. We want our people to be in warm houses that they can, you know, afford. We want the lands to be used well. We want an economic base. And when we talk about tino rangatiratanga, it allows us our own um, determination, but, you know, with an economic base of what has been taken from us. So it's righting this wrong, but the whole community benefits because if we're building houses, there's builders that we need. The community, you know, it, it, the economic, you know, follows through on this is just going to be amazing. But more than that, the spiritual healing and the allowing to breathe. Donna McLeod is our guest. We're talking about her play Tents. It focuses on the Nelson Tents, New Zealand's longest-running land claim, back in the courts right now after the Supreme Court found the Crown effectively had a, had a duty, and now that level of duty is to be established. You're listening to Nine to Noon. It's 22 and a half minutes past 10. Can we talk a little bit about the storytelling again, an idea of how this might be different to what many people might experience in traditional theatre and some of the storytelling traditions here? It's very different. First of all, you've got the wonderful sound of, you know, we've got um, Richard Nunn was in our group for many years, so we no longer have him, of course, but we've got Cindy Bad, who's Tiatawa, and Bob Bickerton, you know, who's um, Irish, Scottish, English, and he he learned he has learnt our sounds, and so we've got all this sound, beautiful sounds weaving in with Callum O'Leary as well playing, and then we've got this wonderful sculptural light box happening on stage as well, which signifies the tenth. 
So, um, and that's by Lee Woodman, a wonderful lighting person. And then we have basically almost a poetry storytelling. So it's not your normal, you know, stage left, stage right dialogue. One of the things we do have as older performers, so Mahi Baba is amazing. So he's our kapahaka. He's been involved with kapahaka for many years. He has varel. He has beautiful whanau, um, tautoko. He knows who he is. So he stands on the stage and all his beauty is a Māori man. And then we've got the amazing songbird, um, Gaynor Rikihana, who is known to many. She was in, originally in Wai, has travelled the world in WOMADs and WOMEXs and all those sorts of festivals. And together they just bring this beautifulness. So I have the script, I'm reading these stories, and it's about the energy. And it's as a performer, it's fabulous because I pause and they, there's going to be a sound or a movement. So, yes, we do rehearse, but not months of rehearsing. And I, and I know Lydia, the director, is going to kill me for this, of the arts. Um, but the way we work is, you know, we come together, we look at the script, we throw things in and out, and then we go with that energy. And no, and this is probably the difference, no two performances will be the same. That something will change within the performance, but they're beautiful performances. You know, um, you, you have this amazing talent. We've got a beautiful 14-year-old um, near Tako on stage with us as well. And, um, you know, she represents, you know, me and my mokos, and she does a beautiful job of holding space. And I think as a performer, you have that magic of being on the stage and you hold the space and this energy. And it's it's almost a religious sort of feeling mm. of of being in that space. And we hold. And one thing we do is we hold. So to the audience, they're, they're hearing sounds that they may not be used to or may never have heard before. They're hearing te reo Māori. They're hearing English. They're hearing bagpipes, they're hearing, you know, um, beautiful voices from not only older people, but younger people. They're hearing our waiata um, and then a little bit of modern music as well. So it, it's kind of, you know, we're talking about 180 years of history, so it's a bit to get through mm. and using different um, sort of forms within those 10 stories. Um, but hopefully people will go away um, what are you trying to do? You, you know, theatre is what? You, you're trying to entertain people. You're trying to tell a story. You're trying to make people go away emotionally touched in a way. And you're wanting, hopefully, for them to be curious, to Aye. go home and think, wow, I think I need to Google that, you know? <laughs> Aye. Donna, <laughs> um, you, I, I know that the... Um, Library, the new library is the site of where the first show will be held, and I know that you're the library art coordinator at the Nuninga Kumu Motueka Public Library. Ah. I have to say, 
as a child who had a great passion for the old library, and I remember the old tractor in the <laughs> playground outside. I spent hours on that Massey Ferguson. Um, had a great fondness for that because summer holidays was were time to read. But this new library, uh, this new taonga, um is something I know you've been involved in. And what is its um, kaupapa, please? The kaupapa of the library, it's a public place. Um, so my kaupapa, um, I was, we have two iwi here. I had to deal with two entities like Wakatu, uh, Natiraro Tiatiawa Trust, which is known as Whakarewa now, um, and the Marae, the community, um, TDC, and lots of different groups. So I get this wonderful mandate to look at putting Māori art on the walls. And I seriously think they gave me this budget and thought, right, a carving here, we panel here, you know, just, you know, just some Māori art. Well, it was wonderful. I worked with an amazing team, uh, Glennis, who's the head librarian in Nelson, and um, Adam, who was the project manager. And I told stories. You know, I went in there and the walls really went up or the concrete had been poured and I was looking through architectural plans and you just sit in that space, which is Nelson Tents. You know, you sit in that space and you think, okay, Hey, what are the stories that my people will want people to know through art? And so, you know, the poles tell about the hekinga. And the word tinoininga kumu is an old word. So when we were coming down from Kafia to this part of South Island, um, we would stop and we would have these little settlements. And as you possibly know, tinoininga is a very old word. But kumu we use a lot. It's our bottom. So tenoinina, you know when you sit in the sand and you wiggle your bottom and you make yourself comfortable? Tenoinina kumu is the name of our library. Oh, we want people to settle. To nestle. To settle. Mm-hmm. To nestle. To be, yeah. Um, the art, yeah, go ahead, Donna. Yeah. Sorry, finish your thought. Um, the artwork was all um, Māori artists who had some sort of connection here had been born here or were mana whenua or had long family traditions. See, they had a story. And the hardest thing I had was paying them because they were saying things like, hey, Donna, this is for the kids. Look, we're all good. You know, don't pay us. I'll do this for nothing. And that was people like the beautiful Matt Tate. So he's part of our community. He did a beautiful work. And, of course, he won the Children's Book Award this year as an illustrator and with his book. So, you know, we have these magic people in our community, such as Matt Tate. And then I have a tattoo artist like Hayden Ryland Parata, and I get him to modernise our traditional Māori potama, and it's beautiful. So we, we, we're using the ceilings, we're using the walls, we're using, you know, we have this beautiful tanifa, um, puriawa. But, you know, if you want to say it's a tanifa, fine. If you want to say it's a dragon, fine. But her name is Huriawa. And she's the one who's in the Pupu Springs. She goes underneath the Takaka Hill, pops her head up at the source of the Rewaka, and then goes out to sea and turns around again. And she's at Kaitiaki. So we've got all this wonderful history and this magnificent art. The art is, we probably have the largest traditional poi collection on the ceiling hanging down. Um, just the beauty 
of the art that comes from telling stories. So you get all these artists together, you walk around this empty building and you say, wow, I can imagine this, honey far popping up here. And then Isaac Henderson goes, hey, I think I can do that, you know. And so you tell all these stories, the artists go away and they create this beautiful space and this beautiful work that tells stories. And about our community, about the land here, now, Nikki, it's a funny all the best, thing. all the best yeah. for the play, um, <laughs> and the court case obviously still unfolding, and uh, the wonderful, um, wonderful work that's that's uh, happened also at the, the new library as well. Uh, I don't know when you oh. rest, yummy. <laughs> Donna McLeod and details of Tents, which is part of the Nelson Arts Festival, hit the hyperlink on our webpage and you can learn more. It's having its uh, debut in Motueka on October 25th, Nelson's Theatre Royale on the 26th.